Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, The New Money Podcast, episode 89. How y'all doing, man? Hoping you guys are having a fantastic week. As usual, my friends, ask me any questions you guys have on Instagram as well as if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Would love, love, love if you leave a review there. No ads today, so we can jump right into the content of the episode. I had the chance to interview Claude Silver, who is the chief heart officer of VaynerX, which is their term for HR, but they really are redefining what HR means, and I really love the way they're going with and we'll learn more about that in this episode. Now, if you've ever heard of Gary Vaynerchuk, this is his company, VaynerX, and Claude is actually his right hand and they're very close and they work very closely together. This conversation was just insane. And I think it was, um, you know, I absolutely love everything uh, her and Gary are doing over at uh, VaynerX and, and the way that they're building culture and connecting with humans. And um, really they're just, their focus on empathy and the people behind the scenes of the companies and I really you know we have a great sort of psychological episode and I think it you know it's a little bit outside of what we usually talk about but we try I try to tie it in with some money concepts and I really think it'll inform you well she's obviously very 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 insightful to chat with and I think it was just a fantastic interview so without further ado let's just dive on into it baby Claude how are you it's great to be here man nice to see you Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so, so excited to have you on the show and, and learn a little bit about you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Amazing. Amazing. So really quick, just, I guess, give the people a, a quick five second, you know, quick and dirty background about uh, who you are, where you're from and how you found yourself where you are right now. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I'm Claude Silver. I'm the chief heart officer of VaynerMedia. I work next to Gary Vaynerchuk side by side every single day. I grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico took a couple right turns, took a couple wrong turns, ended up in San Francisco for about 18 years in the uh, advertising kind of wild, wild west of digital. This is pre-Facebook, pre-Google. And then one thing led to another and went to London for four years and ran strategy on some major, major brands that we all use every day. We buy in the shops. And then I met Gary and he moved me to New York and I've been here seven years. That's amazing. That's amazing. How, so are you outside of New York? Are you in, in downtown or? No, I'm in New Jersey now. We moved to New Jersey when COVID hit afterwards, you know, we're living in the city. I have a right. two and a half year old and it was time to just kind of like get out, get some fresh air, some trees and have her run around a bit. So we're in uh, Morristown, New Jersey. Morristown, New Jersey. That's amazing. Jersey. That's, 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 that's awesome. So you are the chief heart officer of uh, VaynerX. Yeah. So tell me about that, because I thought when I first heard that title, it just was like so unique and I just, it really resonated with me and I was like, wow. And so is that something that you and Gary came up with together or is that a more established thing? Maybe I'm just naive to it. Kind of take me through that because I think it's, I think it's, to me, it's just so unique. I love the aspect of it and kind of just walk me through that. Yeah, of course, for sure. So to answer the first question, Gary came up with the title Chief Heart Officer based around who I am, the need that he, he had a need to scale himself. And he considers himself a chief HR, chief heart officer too. And just based on my personality and, you know, he, he knew that he could trust me to really exemplify him and, and be the extension of him and a very large, you know, advertising agency. So I didn't start as a chief heart officer at Vayner though. I started as a um, uh, head of uh, client service, client strategy, because that's what I had been doing for so long. 
And it just turned out like I was, I was like running this like little mini agency within the larger agency with the accounts that I was running. And I would, we had some incredible team meetings. We read poetry. We just talk about like life, real stuff. And I think what ended up happening is people on my team ended up going up to Gary and just being like, I really like Claude or she's really helped me do this and that and the other, which is great because I've always been me. Like this is, this is me. My heart has always been my heart. I've always been this like player coach type of mentor. I just want to help people. I just want to, I really do. I just want to be of service. And so it just so happened that on my year anniversary at Vayner, I told Gary I was no longer interested in doing advertising. I had done it for so long and it did me right. It fed me. It was amazing. I saw the world, but it, it didn't feed me anymore. What fed me was the people. So he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I only care about people. I only care about the heartbeat of this place. Mm-hmm. He said, cool, stick around. One thing led to another about eight, eight months later. He said, that's it. You're going to be the chief heart officer. Wow. I knew exactly what that meant. Exactly. Because it's just, he and I are so mono mono anyway. We're so, you know, we, we speak the same language that language. I knew what it was. I said to him a couple of things like, what are we doing? What are we building here? And he said, we're, we're building the greatest human organization of all time. And I was like, sign me up. And then I just said, like, how do we know if I'm successful? And he said, you'll touch every single human and you'll infuse the agency with empathy. And that's the sure. only job description I have. You know, I'm the first chief heart officer. I think there's some others that are popping up here and there. People are always like, you know, can you talk to me? Can you tell me how you do it? I can tell you how I do it. But like someone else in this chair is going to do it based on, you know, Nathan's heart and what Nathan's POV is on humans and how mm-hmm. you want to treat people. And for me, I'm very, you know, people first. I want to make people's life easier for them. I want mm-hmm. to help people stop hiding, uh, you know, get real. And I really, really want to help people identify their own roadblocks so that they can get on. They can get on with it. Right. No, that's that's incredible. So is that in place of a uh, head of HR or do you work alongside human resources or kind of kind of take me through the corporate structure there? Because I def I absolutely love it. And I think, you know, even having like a like a special ops person who just works one on one and just connects with somebody, I think that can just bring so much fulfillment for you and them, obviously. So kind of just take me through that. So when I, when I said to him, what are we building here and how do we know if I'm successful? The only other thing I said is, you know, I'm not HR, right? And he said, yes, you're going to build a very strong team around you. And so five years in now, five years, almost to the day, I've built a really strong team. I have a wonderful team, a wonderful SVP who has been doing the job for, you know, 22 years. And she comes from really like the, the science of HR, uh, and then, you know, some incredible like teammates who are, you know, what you would call HR practitioner, HR business partners. I changed the name of the department, though, the minute I walked in it to be people and experience. So it's the PET team, because that's just what we're doing, right? We're helping people and their experience within the, within the company and sometimes beyond. Mm-hmm. So I'm super common sense type of person. I don't want to overcomplicate things. I don't know what HR means. I think it needs a rebranding. So to answer your question, I now am HR. I've been doing it five years. I definitely understand the ins and the outs and you know regulations and all that stuff. And I play Switzerland all day long. I am right. here in service of, and right. I have an incredible team. If we need to get into the nitty gritty, 
any kind of like real stuff um, they get into. Switzerland. I love that. I love that. That's a, that's such a beautiful way to put it. People have different things that make them tick. Personally, I find that it's so interesting to, to see what fulfills one person versus another. So are there any consistent themes or things that you've seen that brings the best out of people when you're educating them or trying to help them with their performance or something like that? Is is there Are there consistencies across, okay, listen, if we can reach this state with this person or if we can... Is, is is there is there certain things that you've seen that are consistent across the board or is it just like case by case by case? So both. Yes, case by case by case, because human beings are unique and every single person brings their own thumbprint, their own fingerprint to the situation, to life. However, human beings, we all want very similar things. We all want to feel fulfilled. We all want to feel valued. We all want to feel like we belong somewhere. And we want to feel like we, we matter. And every single one of us wants growth. And so to answer your question, it's both. I know that these are the fundamental things, desires of human beings. I've studied you know, human nature for a long time, studied psychology for years and years. And so that's not changing anytime soon. But when you go into the workforce, you just have to put a slightly different lens on it because while you want growth and I want growth, growth is going to look a little bit different to you as it is to me because we are, again, unique human beings, you know, with unique backgrounds and different motivations and stuff like that. So, but I spend a, an enormous amount of time listening. And listening is the key because when you listen, you collect information. And I'm doing a couple of things. One, I'm figuring out what my actions are. Am I going to connect this person here, there? somewhere else? How am I going to help this person unlock themselves? But also, you know, when I'm listening, I'm taking in the data, the information, and I'm looking for patterns. You know, patterns really help help us. You know, I, I really think patterns are what helps us build that intuitive muscle. I'm really curious because this is a personal finance podcast. <laughs> in your opinion, do you think money can actually be a motivator for, for a certain type of person? Or is it just fundamentally too external? Like in your experience with really getting into the weeds with some individuals, trying to figure out what motivates them, et cetera, can money be actually a motivator or is it, is it too shallow? No, money is a total motivator. Total motivator. I mean, I think, A, it's our survival. You can pay the rent, you can buy food, you can get whatever equipment you need, you can take care of your family, you know, depending on your life stage, right? Where you are in your life, you can get married, put away money for your retirement, your kids, all of those, all of those things. So I think money is a massive motivator, but I think again, it goes back to the unique individual. What's really gonna motivate them? Because especially Gen Z and millennials, you're a millennial yourself, like you know. The motivations are like, I want to work for a purpose-driven company. You know, I want some, I want to be in the service business. I want to, I want to feel really good about the, the vision that uh, my company has, those types of things. And those might equal the weight that money has, you know, or might be even, they, they might surpass their need for money. But that's, you know, we know that you need money in order to survive in some way, shape or form here. But I think that's a really good question. And it's a great question to ask at this day and age, knowing that we've got so we've got five generations in a workforce now, five mm -hmm. generations in our company. 
different that's, motivations. Yeah, and I, and I think I think that's it's incredible because you know when you talk about you know there's there's this thing called the fire movement in personal finance, the financial independence, retire early. You you basically sock away money like crazy, invest, 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 and then hope to retire in your mid thirties, early forties, et cetera. Right. And, you know, people delay that gratification and they're very money motivated. And and all they do is try to sort of like delay that gratification to a later date so that they, when they retire, they get all that happiness. But I find that I feel like you need to find happiness in the present, right? You can't, you can't, you can't just completely be miserable for, for decades. And so that's one thing that's really been so interesting to me. And and so what would you say to young, ambitious adults who are money motivated, who are about the dollars and cents? How can they strike that balance? And, and how have you coached people in, in, in VaynerX and in past companies to sort of find that balance? You know, it's it might be very cliche, but patience is everything. It's hard to tell a 23-year-old to be patient. It's hard to tell a 27-year-old to be patient, maybe even a 33-year-old, right? But like hard work pays off. And if you put your head down, you're true to whatever cause, your you know, your, your aim is true. Obviously, I think if you have enough self-awareness, that's a really good thing. And, you know, and I think, you know, you do something to help this world become a better place. Like things will work out for you. Mm. You know, I don't, I, I certainly believe in manifestation. And I certainly believe, certainly believe in like, if you, if you, you know, like if you build it, it will come, but it takes a while, man. It's, mm. it's like culture change takes a while. It's like the ice age took a while. Like, mm. you know, things, I, I used to think that I could get from A to Z in a matter of time, like in three years. And then I, I like start living I'm like, whoa, this takes a long time. <laughs> this takes a really long time. And so eventually, you know, now that I'm, I'm older, I'm not 23, I'm not 26, I'm not 33. I can say like, it actually pays off and it tastes really good. Right. Wait. Right. But I'm not also, I'm not a huge proponent for like socking it away, socking it away, socking it away. You want to live, you want to mm-hmm. experience life. I mean, it's, you know, we're all in this very like strange world right now, all working from home. But, you know, you want to experience the moments that make up life. Mm-hmm. Don't sock that away because you don't get those again. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. And you, you, yeah, you got to find that balance. Like it's again, cliche, but like life is totally about balance. So how have you taken care of your people through this time? I mean, again, you know, very, very different from company to company, given the the scope and everything. How have you been consoling your folks and, and taking care of them? And, and how, what's the sort of reception been through everything? Yeah, I have to say it's it's so wild because this year I feel like we've actually become more intimate than ever. And yet we haven't even seen each other since mm. March 11th last year. You know, people are, are have, I sent people home March 11th of 2020. But I think that we have all been so accessible, sometimes to a, a default, like burnout is real. Zoom fatigue is real, all of these things. But I think there's something to be said about the relationships, almost the closeness, almost the intimacy that we've created 
knowing like, oh, I'm going to see you on screen in two hours. Oh, I'm going to see you in my next meeting. And there's some kind of familiarity there, which I think is different in an office setting. Now, you can't replace the office setting. That's that's incredible, right? When you can be physically in the room with someone. But, you know, what we try to do is make sure that everyone is safe, make sure everyone's got their equipment, make sure that people are taking care of their emotional and mental health. You know, we're providing life coaching to every single employee. That's almost a thousand people. Meditation three, three times a week. They've got financial classes they can take. You know, we look at like holistically, how can you take care of the health of a human? Because we're spending time with each other, you know, a lot, a lot of time. So environmentally is really important. How's your office space? Those types of things. And you know, you listen, doing a lot of listening is going to give you the answers. It's just surprising what people say and what they don't say. Mm. It's still, you're still communicating. So I think one of the real issues that a lot of us are facing though, is people are getting crunchy and crusty. Burnout is real. Isolation is real. Loneliness is real. Um, these are things that are, you know, weigh heavily on my mind, just as, you know, going head first into diversity, equity, and inclusivity, like mm-hmm. that, that you can never close the door now, which is mm-hmm. great. We're supposed to be creating safe spaces where people feel like they can belong, where they can feel like they can bring their authentic self to work, where they don't have to code switch, where they don't have to be ashamed of who they are, their race, their ethnicity, their sexuality, seen and unseen disabilities. Like, I want to create this place where it's just like, bring it. Yeah. Bring it. This is the, this is the microcosm of the macrocosm. Mm-hmm. We're all different and we need one another. So hardcore. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's so huge. And, and, you know, in my company, we always talk about, you know, aiming to bring ourselves, our full selves to work. And I think that's such a, such an amazing thing. And I know that, Part of that also is feedback. And I know that Gary talks a lot recently about kind candor and and sort of like that discussion that goes on and within the company and it's really been helpful. So for people on this call who have workplaces or just in, gen- in general, like, I mean, it really just can apply to any sort of relationship. You know, how did you guys sort of coin that and, and come up with that and, and sort of how, how can somebody effectively implement something like that in their life? Right. So I I love the question because it's so fundamentally who we are. And that means we believe in kindness. We are are rooted, our roots of this company are in a belief in human beings. We trust first, we're kind, we're compassionate. We do our best to be empathetic. You know, these are our roots. And so if you have that as your roots, like, I don't think you can go wrong as long as you're living that authentically living that. So we used to call it Radical Candor, which is a book by Kim Scott. And what we found is the word radical wasn't giving us the kindness. People really didn't understand that no matter what you call it, radical candor, kind candor, candor candor, whatever it is, there is a way to give feedback. And being kind is fundamental. Being clear is fundamental. Giving specifics is fundamental. Making sure that your observations that you're going to share are current. They're not dated. They're not six months ago because that really doesn't help me. Mm. You know, even three weeks is too late. Like frequent feedback, and then make the make the feedback actionable. Mm. So, 
we came up with, Gary actually came up with the phrase kind candor, knowing that kindness is one of is a huge part of his DNA and candor was something we already believed in. So mm-hmm. it's amazing. And it's, it's, you know, we took it, we've taken to it like wildfire. I mean, people use the hash, they're using hashtag kind candor all over the place internally, which I love. I love, I, I, that's how, you know, something gets into the water. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And I think it's, very catchy is, and it's not surprising coming from him, and <laughs> but it's it's so true. And how do you think implementing that can go in terms of you know again money podcast negotiations, you know sharing salary expectations with your HR department, or you know if you if you've got a little side hustle an entrepreneurial venture and and kind of leading with empathy and leading with kindness, but you know being very authentic and, and, and going after what you want. What advice would you have for people to kind of go out and execute these sort of big business deals or big deals for themselves where you know traditionally it's, it's all business? How, how can they in, introduce some of that kind candor in there? So I, I like the question. It's, it, it didn't stump me. It made me think about something for a second. Well, Simon Sinek talks about find your why. You know, what is your purpose? Why are you going to go out and conquer the world? Why do you want to go out and create that business? Why are you an entrepreneur? Find those things out about yourself, which takes an enormous amount of self-awareness. Now, if one has self-awareness of themselves, I have to also believe that one has self-compassion or is working on self-compassion. The, the reason I smile before I answer the question is, Whoever you are with your family, your kids, your freaking dog, you are showcasing kindness. You are showcasing compassion. You are showcasing traits of emotional intelligence. I I will continue to beat my drum and say, I do not know why people decide to shut that part off when they go out and start their business, when they go out and try to get the big kahuna, when they try to go get the big sale. We're humans, man. We're fueled by the same thing. We already talked about this. Yes, we're unique, but like, there's not one human being on this planet that can go without kindness, compassion, physical touch. So the fact that, so, you know, I guess the, the point is, is like, bring that into who you are, bring that into your entrepreneurial endeavor, bring that into your side hustle. That is attractive. That is attractive, especially if it's authentic, if it is who you are. If it's not who you are, you know, then then we got to work on another way for you to showcase what is really true to you. But we're all fueled, man, we're all fueled by the goodness of one another. And you know, we, we've traveled far from that place, but I have so much hope for, the, you know, our transformation, this evolution mm. and us getting towards, you know, moving towards this place of what's good for you is good for me. Yeah. What's yeah. good for me is good for you. I totally agree. And I think, you know, Chris Voss in the book, uh, Never Split the Difference, he talks about this thing called tactical empathy. And, and you know, he kind of, <laughs> I don't think he weaponizes empathy, but like, I think if you can really get a grip on the other side and really firm yourself and really put yourself in their shoes and, and let them know that you really understand where they're coming from, I think it's just, you're going to close more deals doing that than not, right? Yeah, be, yes. 
And while we're never going to know what goes on in another person's life, we can certainly expand our imagination and expand our thinking just that much more to imagine what that person must be going through. Mm -hmm. Imagine what their life is, you know, what their life is like. It's just not that foreign. And yeah, connection. This is all about connection, relationship building. That's how you're going to close the deal. (laughs) Right. I mean, you got to connect with people in order to like, create a relationship in order to create like, well, why should we go into business together? Why should I give you $3 million? Why should I give you $30 million? Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's what it all comes down to. Show me who you are. Show me who you are. And, and um, I know that's really scary for a lot of people. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, it's tough. And I mean, you know, I feel like, when you talk about stuff like this, do you ever get pushback of people not wanting to be invasive or they, they feel like they're being, they're coming out, they're out of line or, you know, oh, you know, like I, they think it's inappropriate to ask about somebody's feelings or something like that. Have you, have you ever heard or had to work through any of that? Yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot of times, I've heard a good, I would say a good 20 times. So that's not a lot, but a good few handfuls, like, well, don't bring heart into the, the workplace. Why are you talking about heart? Because people then all equate like love. Oh, you can't talk about love in the workplace. Well, you can actually. <laughs> so yes, I get pushed back and I, and I, you know, I can't change anyone's behavior. I can't change anyone's mind. I don't have that kind of power, but I can try to create some kind of example for people that like life Life really opens up when you open up. Mm-hmm. And we spend an enormous amount of time covering ourselves up, locking ourselves away, putting armor around ourselves. And that only, I just, it's just like a closed mind, right? Right. So right. I, I don't know. I just believe in like changing that mindset. Uh, what is entrepreneurial? Entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurialism is based around possibility. In order to have possibility, I think one needs to have some kind of positive attitude to see what is out there, what is possible, what are my options, what the blue sky is like, you know? And when I think about those types of traits, I think, oh yeah, you you really need to have some kind of openness within yourself to see positivity and possibility, you know? So I can wax on and wax off about this all day long. (laughs) Uh, I, and I know it's not easy for everyone. That's the thing. And by no means uh, am I working in a utopia. It's a work in progress every single day, just as I am. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not my best self every single moment of the day. No one is. But I really want to make our workplaces just more human. That's awesome. And that's amazing. And again, just so unique, so forward forward looking and really just seems like that's where we need to sort of get to because at the at the root of everything it's it, companies are made of people you know people aren't made of companies you know so when people are like well, why heart i'm like okay each and every human being has a central operating system it is called our heart without our heart we die okay central operating system to any human being any organization needs human beings to be their central operating system. Like we need 
the heart is what propels us every single day. It's what gets us up. It's what takes us down. It's what, you know, our heart bends, it breaks, it fills. But at the end of the day, like we have a heart and without this heart, we don't exist. Mm -hmm. So I want to pour everything I possibly can, not only into my heart, my kid's heart, but like everyone's heart. I really do. I really, really do. I'm obsessed with it. That's incredible. And I, and I absolutely love that, that mission. And, and, you know, it's, it's remarkable. And I'm definitely going to keep a close eye on it over the next few decades and see, see how everything shakes out. I just have a few more questions, Claude. Um, you know, as we kind of look, you know, as people get more and more vaccinated and we look to get slowly out of this, what, what's some advice that you tell young people, Gen Z, you know, or, you know, later millennials in VaynerX and, you know, other, the sub companies about, you know, how can they pivot and look for an opportunity during this time? I know Gary talks about it a lot. How is that conversation internally? Well, I think what Gary and I are always going to go back to is this idea of self-awareness. It's not an idea. It's a real, it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that takes a while to crack into and to figure out, like, we just talked about it when you're able to get inside and like look around yourself and deal with some of the things that have happened to you and, and voice them, give them voice and be vulnerable and courageous and all of those things. I think that is the fuel that will help you navigate through whatever comes your way, whether or not it's going into the office, whether or not it's starting at your own company, whether or not it's pivoting and saying, you know what, my side hustle is feeding me well. I don't want to go back to that job, whatever it is. But that's all like this inner voice, this inner dialogue. By the way, nine, did you know that 85% of our inner dialogue is negative? Really? 85%. And out of the 85%, 90% of that is just repeat. Blah, 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 blah. Negative, 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 negative. So that's one of the things that I think as we go into tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, and you figure out what you want to do, you got to listen to what you're saying. That's for sure. So that's the, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I don't have any, I don't have any like um, magic words of wisdom other than stick with what you know. What you know is yourself. Mm -hmm. In those quiet moments, you know yourself. When you're brushing your teeth, you know yourself. You know, who you are outside in the world, you may mask up, but life will open up when you do. Promise you. That's incredible. Claude, honestly, that's that's all I have for you. I know I know you got a, a little bit of a stop here. You got to get going. But uh, really quickly, if, if anybody wants to reach out or watch and maybe any of your stuff on YouTube, where, where can they find you? Yeah, yeah. Go to my website, claudesilver.com. Um, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm there a lot. Instagram for sure. Got a YouTube channel, got a podcast. But yeah, I, I love I love knowing what's going on with people. I mean, I'm here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's amazing. But again, Claude, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was so awesome. I feel like I'm gonna go back and listen to it a million times. And and I think it'll really it helps with self-awareness when you, when you have these discussions and that really leads to things like financial wellness and um, getting ahead, so to speak, and all that kind of stuff. So thank you so, so much for that insight. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. You too, Nathan. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. So there you have it, my friends. Like what? Like, I mean, I <laughs> crazy, man, like chief heart officer, like she, 
she really, really lives up to that, man. It was, it was such a fantastic interview. Uh, thank you, Claude, so much for coming on. You were such a amazing person to chat with. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for tuning in. I really hope you got a lot out of the conversation. It was just, I really felt like I connected on uh, some really great stuff with her on. And, and she was just so insightful. I feel like I learned a ton as usual. Thank you guys again so much for listening. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. But for now, I'm out this mother. Peace.